Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself, the best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien, with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. everybody to the O Show podcast episode 389 presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale coming soon here in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness offers an authentic experience for those who want to learn from Floyd Money Mayweather's techniques and training regimens while also getting in the best shape of their lives in a high intensity group fitness setting. Again, they opened up for construction on July 9th. Equipment was just delivered this week. It should be opening up sometime in the fall. Again, that is Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Our guest today knows something in those lines. He's the host of the top-rated MMA podcast. He is Eric Allen. Thanks so much for joining the program, man. Oh, so pumped to be here, man. Thank you for this opportunity, dude. I absolutely, I mean, we talked about it briefly just a second ago, but absolutely love the beard. You don't plan on trimming it anytime soon. I think one of the original beards that I saw growing up as a kid was Brian Wilson. He was a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, and it was just like down to the floor. I'm like, I, I (laughs) I hope to have a beard like that one day. I'm not quite there with my yeah. facial hair. You know, I could grow it enough to where it, you know, comes down to maybe maybe where my microphone's at. Okay. But that's about it. <laughs> that's awesome. So you, you host two podcasts, correct? You have, you have the MMA show, and then you just have the Eric Allen show too, right? Yep, both shows, man. Eric Allen show comes out every Friday, and Top Red MMA show comes out every Saturday. And do you like to differentiate the two, like keep them separated? One's just strictly mixed martial arts, the other you 
just of course like talking to people from all over the world yeah, it's, it's very different. So Top Rate MMA is really where I highlight up-and-coming MMA fighters from around the world. And so love being able to kind of get their story out there. And really, the, I started the podcast because I wanted to ask fighters, why do you want to get engaged and get punched in the face? Yeah. And the Eric Allen Show is really where I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. And almost the same question I asked of them is, why do you want to get punched in the face? Hopefully not physically, but virtually we get nose rejected. You know, we get shut down all the time. But why do we keep going as entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, that's 100% something that I definitely look into when I'm looking at podcasts and things to go into. There's the show right there. I don't think that's your show. That's that a different is not my Eric. show. <laughs> that's Eric with a C. Eric with a C, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll be sure to beat my video guys up after this, but that, that that's no good. But, you know, your shows, you know, you talk. we were talking before, you know, Jim the Rookie Morris, an inspiring yeah. guest right there. You have Rob Lawless as well, you know, talking to 10,000 different strangers because you never really know who you're going to meet. And especially with shows like this, like you and I connected over email, over social media. We saw each other's stuff. Like, we've never yeah. met in person. Like, we right. could say we're strangers, and here we are talking. Like, you never know who you're going to meet and what, what type of words you're going to be inspired by. Yeah. I love podcasting, man. I'm fascinated with people's stories and really had no idea what I was doing. The first 100 episodes were in a walk-in closet, you know, and then, like, the more people that I talk to, especially on the Eric Allen Show and, the, and Fighter Stories, I was like, man, I got to share this stuff out there, man. So, yep. Oh, they uh, got it right this time. Yes. That's definitely <laughs> you. Yes. That is the Eric Allen Show. Again, I'll beat the crap out of him next time. I don't know if that was – there he is, Zach <laughs> Kelly, our video guy. That's awesome. But, I mean, yeah, I, we t- I talked to Jim Morris just, again, like last week, and I said it was one of the most inspirational interviews I've had because, again, his story, if you don't know who he is, the movie The Rookie with Dennis Quaid is inspired by him and his story, everything that he went through, right? Yep. He's such a great guy, man, and just in person and on – like, I mean, you've had the same conversation with him on his show, but, like, he's so real, and I love that he just yeah. keeps fighting. He's being in the best shape that he is in, almost 60 years old. He beat Parkinson's, man. His story's unbelievable. Now, when it comes to your MMA show, is it specifically designed to, again, get the word out about young and up-and-coming fighters who are, you know, coming through the ranks and obviously if in fighting? And this is what I appreciate, or appreciate uh, about fighting is that it's, it starts and ends with you, you know? Like, it's not necessarily a team sport. You have your team that you train with, but yep. at the end of the day, when you step foot in that octagon, it's, it starts and ends with you. Everything's on you in that moment, as opposed to, like, in baseball, you hit three home runs and drive in 10 runs that day, and you still lose 11 to 10 because, you know, you know yeah. your, your pitching staff didn't pitch well, you know? Like, that's what the one thing I appreciate about mixed martial arts is that it comes down to you. Um, and when, when you're interviewing these guys, what exactly are you looking for? You know, when it comes to just like talking about their lives, what, what got them to that moment? Or is it more about, you know, the technique of their fighting styles? So I very much love going into the backstory first. So the first question I ask on both of my shows is really like, tell me where you grew up and what was childhood like for you? One, because I want the listeners that are listening to my show to understand that the people I'm talking to, they're just real people anyways. Like, uh, they're, they're real people. They've either they had a bunch of failures and they got to where they're at, or they had this perfect life and they had some dips and now they're back up, you know? And yeah. they had to struggle through, everybody struggles through something. And so I love to ask that question right off the bat. And so I really like to focus on the mindset, you know, how are you feeling backstage before you walk to the, walk out to that cage, before you get locked in there against another person that wants to hurt you physically, what is going through your mind? You know, how do you prep for that mentally? How do you, like, cut weight? You know, like, what's that process look like? So I like talking about that. I do talk about their upcoming fights if they have some, but I really liked the story. 
Like, you know, how'd you get into this? How, what was the reaction from your family and your friends, you know, when you told them, like, I want to go fight in a cage? You know, some of them are like, oh, yeah, they knew I was going to do it. And then some are like, they were totally shocked. They're like, we talk, quit talking to me. You know, like, just, you know, it's all over the spectrum. Right, and, like, the more they talk, the more you're intrigued by certain things. Like, the one thing I've learned, like, as an interviewer, you can almost sympathize with other people from, like, certain situations that they've gone through in their lives, you know, whether yeah. it be professional stuff, personal stuff, and, like, you can actually be like, oh, I kind of know how that feels. Like, I had that stingy feeling once, and then you can go off of that. You know, like, right. ha have you, you know, developed some of those skills as you continue to interview people? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely, I'm always trying to learn. I have this thing on my wall here that says canny or constant and, and never-ending improvement. And Ed yeah. Milet told me that when I was talking to him. And, you know, it's just one of those things that stuck with me. And so I think every show I try to get better and better at asking better questions, having a better flow, and really just being more professional on each and every show. And now, you know, I'm getting close to 400 shows total between my two shows. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly improving, though. Do you remember your first show? I do. Yeah, so the first show I did was with a, a buddy of mine from the UK. He just did jujitsu, And I'm like, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing this podcast. We just joined me on the show and walk in closet. I didn't even look in the camera. I was looking at the screen the whole time. I was like, you know, had a bad microphone, had one of those snowball mics and, you know, no lighting, bad, bad lighting, man. It was it was interesting. <laughs> I mean, that was me when I first started my show. I, I was more focused on what, like, my set in my basement was going to look like. We have a bar in our basement. And I'm like, we got to put the flat screen here. we got to put some boxing gloves over there. And then as yeah. soon as we hit record, my brother and I, who used to be my co-host way back in the day, was like, we have no idea what to do. Like, we didn't even have a topic of discussion, and we hit record. Yeah, yeah. It's like we just had, like, the, the passion to do it, I guess, but at the same time was not prepared whatsoever. And here right. we are 389 episodes later talking to you. So, Come on, man. That's awesome. We dude. didn't quit, which is the most yes. important thing. Yep. So I, I do want to talk to you about you know, some of your experiences that kind of cultivated in what you do now. Because uh, obviously yeah. you have a passion for MMA. You have a passion for you know, inspiration stories you know, that we, we've been talking about. Um, you, know, you growing up, going through some of the difficult things that you went through leading to this. I mean, give like a brief description about some of the things that you went through. Again, it's stuff, you know, touchy stuff. I don't want to get too deep into it if you don't want to, but is there anything that you'd like to add to, you know, that statement of, you know, I was once here, went through all this shit, been to hell and back, and then obviously popped out well on the other side? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in like typical household, you know, went to Sunday school, played Little League, right? You know, my parents got divorced when I was 11. My mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive, mm. moved us to a small town, Montana. And when one night they came home fighting and arguing, it wasn't anything different, but something in my heart was like, dude, you got to turn around. And I remember this moment being 13 years old and I looked down the hallway and he's on top of my mom and he's just like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I got to get this guy off and grabbed a cast, a cast iron pan out of the cupboard, man, and swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and he turned around. And as he said that, he was like, what? You know, and I hit him in the forehead, split his forehead open. And uh, still didn't knock him out. He was so drunk. But I was essentially kicked out of the house at that point. I had three months left to my freshman year of high school and led me down this path of destruction for the next 10 years. I was arrested at 18. I was bankrupt at 21. I was homeless basically between 18 and 21. I moved 21 different times, battled addictions on the music business. And then in 2004, I got sober. And, man, here we are today. I mean, that's I mean, you got kicked out for defending your mother. Was that yeah. more of just like... I don't even know how to explain that because, again, like, I, I can't even imagine going through something like that where you thought you were doing the right thing and then you paid for it. Yes. Yeah, it was kind of interesting, man, that's for sure. 
And, you know, I think at the time I was like, seriously? Like, you know, what's going on? I only had three months left. I was sleeping on my buddy's uh, floor. His name was Forrest, man. We'd walk to school. We'd steal cigarettes from his dad, you know, walking to school. And, you know, it's just like led me down this like crazy path, like I said, man. So what were some of those experiences in the music industry that you mentioned? Yeah, so I was working at C a CD store when those were around, uh, one called FYE. I don't even know if those are still around at all. But uh, one guy walked into the store. He worked for Universal Records, and I jokingly said, hey, man, how do I get your job? And uh, he said, oh, you got to be an intern at the community college, and you got to go apply here. And so I went down to the community college, and I paid $320 for this internship class, got the teacher to sign off that I had registered and paid, and I took that receipt to Universal Records and said, look, I'm in college, never went to a class, and I got hired on as an intern with Universal Records. And I just showed up every day for six months, like stuffing posters and stuff like that. And then after six months, they're like, oh, dude, we should probably hire him. So I got yeah. hired on as a mailroom coordinator. I was tracking sales and set up meet and greets. And so the summer before that, my buddy was the manager of an outdoor venue out in Washington called The Gorge. So I had this two-year span where I went to about 175 concerts, open tab at every single one of them, living the rockstar lifestyle without essentially even know how to play a note of music. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'd probably be in the same boat that I have no idea. I've come from, you know, my brother plays every instrument imaginable, like really well too, you know, not nice. just saying that as his brother, but like very talented in what he does. And I have no idea how to even, you know, I don't even know the, the certain chords to play guitar. No clue. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, uh, I, I love live music, but I don't know how to play any of it. No. I, are you a big rock guy? I got my Guns N' Roses t-shirt on today. I do. Yeah, dude. I grew up, you know, I, I grew up in the era of like Korn and Rob Zombie yeah. and, you know, Tool and those guys, man, still some of my favorite bands. And I think working at Universal, they kind of forced me to listen to other types of music and genres and stuff like that. So my, my eyes and ears have opened up to other, you know, music, but I, I'm still rock at heart for sure. Who is, uh, I forget his name. It was uh, Jordanson, the drummer from Slipknot, just died yesterday, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, Joey Jordanson. Joey Jordanson, yeah. yeah. Founder of Slipknot with Corey Taylor. That that I, I don't know what happened. He was 46, I think. Yeah, I, I didn't see much. I only saw one thing that posted up that said he, he passed away peacefully in his sleep. So Which I don't know what that means. Which can mean anything, means, right? right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Slipknot was a rad band, man. I actually saw them play at the second stage of OzFest 1998 or 1999. And there was maybe 100 people that were watching them. And I was out in the crowd. I was standing back behind the mosh pit. And it was the craziest thing. This dude literally runs past me with an axe in his hand running towards the pit. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, security tackled him right in front of me. It was crazy, but it was cool to see those guys, like, literally, like, nobody was watching these guys play, and I, I yeah. was working at a CD store, so I knew who they were. I was like, dude, we got to check these guys out. One of the best live shows I've seen, especially on a second stage, man. See, I feel like you can't really have those experiences anymore, at least in the rock genre. Like, there's right. some guys would be like, oh, I saw The Weeknd perform live in New York City at this pub <laughs> back in 2012. It's like, that's not the same thing. Like, I can right. only imagine, like, hearing, like, Pearl Jam when they were, I forget their original name, uh, Mookie Blaylock, you know, performing, like, just at some random pub in Seattle before right. they made it huge, right? Yeah, and, I lucked out on a couple of them, man. I saw LinkedIn, uh, Lincoln Park on their first U.S. tour for 10 bucks out in Seattle, and I saw Kings of Leon play with 70 people on their first wow. tour way back in the day in 2003, man, and both of those bands, obviously, who they are today, but it was really cool to see those guys in the early days, man. That's unbelievable. And have has your, I guess in my you know in my life, music's a big factor because I, again I don't play it, but it has definitely shaped who I am when it comes to certain mentalities. Being like a huge rock and roll guy, has music definitely formed your mentality? Whether it's you know like working out in a gym or you know just doing daily things. 
Yeah, for sure. I hate the sound of silence, man. I, I always yeah. have something jamming jam in the house. My wife and kids, we always have music playing downstairs on the Apple TV, man. And so, like, always constantly have music going. I don't like to just drive on the road and look out the window, man. I, like, always have to have my music going for sure, dude. And, and I feel like in MMA, it's, like, always heavy stuff, too, they're coming out to. Unless you're, like, Mickey Gall. Like, I remember when Mickey Gall, because I'm a big WWE guy, and when CM Punk okay. made his UFC debut, that was his first fight with Mickey Gall, right? Right. And he came out to that, I don't even know what it's called, but, like, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. Right. That, that song. Yeah. And this guy's a fighter. <laughs> a very talented fighter, too. Scary fighter, and that's the song he's coming out to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Dana White, like, denied it at first, but he's like, you know what, Mickey, I'll throw you this bone. And, and he came out to that song and absolutely wiped the floor with CM Punk. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it was so... And we, we were at a Buffalo Wild Wings, me okay. and my buddy, huge wrestling fans. Yeah. We wanted to see that fight because he quit WWE just out of nowhere, and he was, like, everyone's favorite, so it was a big deal for him to jump over to the UFC, like... A guy with no MMA experience, you know. I know he trained for a few years leading up to it, but he just did not look like a fighter in the octagon. Sure. And I remember my buddy putting down like two hundred bucks with one of our other friends. He's like, two hundred bucks, Punk knocks him out in the first round. I'm like, dude, oh, no. you are going to be so disappointed. <laughs> totally. And he, oh, it looked so bad, so bad to the point where even Dana White's just like, we'll probably never see him again. Joe Rogan gave him like no credit on his podcast, just being like. CM Punk did not belong here. He, he doesn't belong in mixed martial arts. Yeah. Well, that was definitely painful to watch. Have you ever, you know, seen any one of these fighters, these up-and-comer fighters that you've interviewed get in the octagon and just it did not work out for them? No, I mean, I don't know if I've, I've seen someone, like, get not, like get in there and then it just not working out for them. You know, a lot of these guys, they either just kind of fade out or they continue to go. And so a lot of, I would say the majority of the fighters that I've talked to you know, they, they tend to keep fighting on the regional circuit. Um, actually, Brady Heistan and Josh Radenhouse, both in the tough house right now, both yeah. have been in on my show. And I've met both of those guys in person several times out here because they're from the area where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, I think, I don't know if I've seen anybody actually get in there and just, like, have a flop career. Now, there was a streak where I think early on it was, it was like this almost curse, I thought, where, I, like, I'd have these up-and-coming fighters on my show, and then they'd go on to lose, you know, a couple of times. But um, I don't remember their names. I mean, we had Jod... Prince Albert was the first signed fighter to our uh, podcast. We, sorry, we started in 2012 as an apparel company. We signed him on as a fighter, to, like we sponsored him. And he, it was like the height right after the Ultimate Fighter when he was on the house. And then he goes on this three-fight losing streak, and he lost all his fans, and he ended up, you know, uh, you know, retiring from MMA at that point. But it was cool to have him at, as our first signed sponsor at yeah. that time. And like, we, our debut event where we had a booth set up, no one knew who we were. John Prince Albert shows up wearing all of our gear. We sponsored the main event fighter. You know, so we made a good impact back there in 2012, man. So how does it go from apparel company to podcast? You know, going from literally like retail to, you know, a communications gig when it comes to podcasting and being an interviewer. Really bad business mistakes. You know, not knowing what I was doing in the apparel game, man. Like spent a lot of money on product. Had no idea, like, you know, paying much money for, you know, low minimum, you know, low quantities, things like that. In 2015, I got bored. I literally put an ad in Craigslist and said, who wants to buy this company? And, you know, you get all the branding and the followers and all that stuff. And one guy called me up in 2015 and offered me a couple grand. And in that call, I decided I wasn't ready to quit. So I spent the next year kind of ho-humming it about. And then in 2017, we launched the Top Rated May podcast. And I think episode 
239 or 240 wow. drops this weekend. Wow. So again, you've come a long way as well with your show, and obviously we talked about interviewing skills earlier on. Is there any specific fighter that you'd like to have on? Because again, like you talked to up-and-comers, but at the same time, I'm sure you'd love to pick someone's brain today who's kind of thriving, whether it be in the UFC or Bellator, or, you know, coming through the ranks when it comes to stepping foot in the octagon. Yeah, you know, I do talk to these up-and-coming fighters. I usually, I also talk to, you know, bigger names when I can get them. I've had Ken Shamrock on the show twice. Yeah. Amazing guy there. You know, I think my my all-time favorite guy to have on the show would be Nate Diaz or Donald Cerrone. But one of those guys, I think, are probably, like, the, my fa my favorite fighters in the UFC and just in general in MMA. So it'd be really great to have those guys on the show at some point. Two completely different personalities, too. I feel like yeah. Cerrone would definitely be someone who would be honored to come on the show. He'd be respectful. You'd have a great, intelligent conversation. And then you yeah. look at the Diaz brothers, you know, fresh out of... where are they? They're from... Stockton. Stockton, California. I almost yeah. said Compton. What is it, 606 or <laughs> 609, the, uh, the area code that they so proudly wear? Like, right. he would literally just come on and just, like, freestyle rap, and, like, you wouldn't be able to understand anything that he was saying. Totally. <laughs> It'd be, make for a great, a great show, though, either way. <laughs> like, I remember those promos and press conferences they did for those two McGregor fights. Like, obviously, it helps when you have Conor McGregor who knows how to cut a promo during yeah. those press conferences, and it kind of worked well. Like, it, they definitely had good chemistry on the mic, back and forth. But Nate right. Diaz just trash-talking when, like, he's going up against a Dustin Poirier who doesn't trash-talk at all. It's just like, what are you saying, dude? Like, it's not even working. Like, it's not even, you know, remotely entertaining to watch this right now. Right. So yeah. it would be interesting to have him on as a guest. You definitely have to, like, ask the right questions in order to get the right responses out of him. Because I feel like he would definitely be a yes or no answer guy if you asked him a yes or no question. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and you know this, like, I, the trick is to get them talking about what they like, right? Yeah. So do some research and figure out what, what exactly he's into, like the triathlons and, like, you know, what kind of weed is he smoking this week, right? Like, get him, get him to ask, ask, those, you know, ask those questions and, and hopefully get him talking. That's the unique <laughs> thing, I think, about, you know, podcasts today that some people do so well. Like, you, you have a celebrity on, what, it doesn't matter what industry they're from. Like, talk about something they're interested in. Don't talk about what they do. Because they always talk about what they do on television, you know? Like, leave that yeah. to the broadcasts. You know, yep. if you ever have someone in here, like, I remember um, big wrestling fan again, Chris Jericho, had Slash on his podcast or whatever. He's like, we talked about Ninja Turtles for an hour and a half. You know, like, I'm not going to talk to him about, you know, what he's doing with his new record or, like, if he's ever going to get back together with Axel. Like, we're going to talk about stuff that he wants to talk about. Like, I have Slash in here with me in studio. We're going to talk about whatever the hell he wants to talk about because that's content that nobody else is going to have. Yep. Yeah. I heard a guy this last weekend, Dan Fleischman, and I was at a mastermind last week, and he said, you know, put out content that your listeners want to listen to. Don't put out content that you want to hear. Exactly. And you probably, you know, have learned throughout your, your time as an interviewer, like asking specific questions that you didn't think you were going to ask going in to a guy like Jim Morris, who talks about a certain story that you didn't expect him to talk about. And then you end up having a conversation that's so much more deep and meaningful than anything that you had prepared. Totally. Yeah. I, I try to prepare some questions when I do interviews, but I've done interviews where, like, I had Vincent Rocco, one of my first shows for the Eric Allen show. It used to be called The Bearded Biz, and we changed the name yeah. a few months back. But, you know, like, he's on my ends, and he's done quite a few movies and things like that. But we had scheduled a time to talk, and I was going to prepare and do some research and things like that. And then he got the time, like, messed up, and so he just, like, Zoomed me. And, like, I was, like, sitting at my desk, happily, you know, happened to be doing some work. 
And he's like, are you ready? And I was like, what? Oh, crap. So I just like free flowed that whole interview, man. It was 45 minutes of just him and I just going back and forth. Probably one of the coolest interviews I've ever done. And those are the best conversations, too, just going back and forth. Kind of like you and I right now. We've already touched on like 10 different subjects, I feel like, yeah, in the first 20 totally. minutes. But like, as an interview, like, do you have like a specific thing? Because, again, we are not the Howard Stearns or the Joe Rogans of the world. Like when totally. people are consuming content, you think like, okay, like 20 minutes someone can consume easily. But like when you're talking to someone, you really don't know the amount of time that's going to be putting into it. Like some conversations are 90 minutes, some are 20 minutes. Like do you ever pay attention to that stuff when you're, again, trying to distribute content for your shows? So I do pay attention to the time a little bit because I like to keep my shows no longer than 30 minutes. Yeah. And my MMA show runs about 15 to 25 minutes, I would say, on average. And the Eric Allen show probably pushes 25 to 35 minutes at most after I get in my introduction and stuff like that. But, yeah, so I really try to crunch as much information as I can into that 30 minutes time, especially when you have guys like Ed Milet or, you know, Sean Whalen on the show, things like that. Those guys are busy. So I want to get as much information as I can out of them within that 30 minutes and honor their time. And, and, you know, that's part of my strategy too when I'm booking them on the interview or inviting them to come on the show is I'm like, hey, my show is only going to run 30 minutes at most. I'd love to have you on. Let's promote this or that that you happen to be doing right now and let's make it happen. And that's how I booked all of my guests. And some guys like that, like I'm in the same boat, like you with Ed Millette, like I've had Jordan Belford or like a David Meltzer who's literally like, yeah, I'll carve out 20 minutes. And it's literally yeah. like I look back after like hanging up on a Zoom call and it's like, oh my God, 20 minutes on the dot or like 2001. I'm like, how did they do that? Because I feel yeah. like in that 20 minute time period, and they're masters at this, probably takes years to learn this skill. You know, I got everything I wanted out of those interviews and they were only 20 minutes long. Yes. You know, where like some interviews go like 55 minutes, hour, five, and you think like, oh, I still had so much more to talk about. But those right. guys were able to crunch, you know, an hour worth of conversation into 20 minutes. And I left like that was the best interview I've ever done. Totally. It's insane. <laughs> I love it, man. Absolutely. I mean, do you ever feel like that with some of, you know, your interviews, like you talk about, like Ed Millette, who, like, I feel like is just go, go, go. Like, all right, I'll give you a half hour or so. And then yeah. he just, like, knocks everything, like, all those bullet points you had and more. And he did it in under 30 minutes. Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely try to be strate strategic with that. I, again, really want to honor their time, especially when I'm having these bigger names, guys on the show. You know, Greg Reed, Bedris Koolian, Brad Lee, Tim Story, Eric Legrand, all those guys, Jim, you know, yeah. the rookie Morris have all been on my show. And I really try to get in there and go, okay, I'm going to set aside a couple questions I want to ask, but I'm, I'm going to leave some spare time for us to be, you know, free flow, some conversation and things like that. And I'm constantly like going, okay, I'm peeking down at my clock. Um, oddly enough, my, my screens for us are down below. So I am actually just zoomed right into this camera, but I can't actually see unless I look down here. So that's what I'm like constantly doing that throughout the interview. I'll kind of peek down and check out the time. Okay, I got five minutes left. All right, I got to ask this question, you know, things like that. Yeah, because there's certain things that like you forget about. Like you get into conversation and it's like, oh my God, I forgot like the biggest thing I wanted to ask him and you only have like, five minutes left, right? I've had those for sure, <laughs> yeah. And you talk about the clock, like, thank God I work in a studio. We got a clock right there. It's, like, literally right next to the camera, so I can both talk to you, and there's a camera right there, or a, nice. a clock right there, so I can tell, <laughs> you know? Do you have any, uh, like, big dream guests? Like, even if they're unattainable at the moment, you know, like a few years down the road that you'd love to talk to? Tony Robbins is my all-time favorite. Yeah. I think Tony Robbins, Les Brown, you know, those two guys are, are super big. Like, I, like you know, I have them on my walls. Like, you know, I stare at them every morning. I'm like, okay, I will talk to Tony on my podcast. I will talk to Ed Milet on my podcast. I will talk to Les Brown. You know, part of my morning routine is really just speaking into existence things that I, that I want to just manifest, man. 
Now, what inspires you specifically? Obviously, Tony Robbins, one of the biggest, you know, motivational, inspirational speakers out there with everything that he's experienced in his life and everything that he gives back. But, like, what about, you know, you and your experiences kind of, like, touched on you for that and wanted you to be like, okay, I cannot wait to talk to this guy one day? I think he was probably one of the first guys that I heard that was really this motivational speaker. You know, at, at an early age, I remember, like, seeing him on TV and he'd be talking and, and just fired up, talking about mindset and things like that. So, you know, I've always been this entrepreneurship mindset, mindset guy. You know, when I was 10 years old and 11 years old, I had two summers where I was mowing lawns and I had about 15 clients and I was, you know, at the time racking in like 120 bucks a week, you know, mowing yards and it was awesome. But, you know, so I think early on I came across Tony Robbins. So I've just kind of always followed him. And then of course he mentioned Jim Rohn and then I was like, yeah. oh man, who's Jim Rohn? And then it just went on and on. But I think he's definitely one of those guys that uh, I just, uh, I love what he does. And him being like 65 years old, I think is about where he's at right now. Like he's still out there every day, still in the best shape, still motivating people. You know, funny thing out here in Coeur d'Alene, I have the, my top rated May logo kind of has the TR that, uh, yeah. that Tony Robbins has. I did not realize that my logo was pretty similar to his. And I was putting groceries away at the Costco up here one day. And I had the TR logo from top rated on my shirt. And this couple pulled up behind me and said, oh, we saw your jet at the airport. And I was like, I have a jet. And they're like, no, yeah, it's big. It's got your logo, the same logo on your shirt out there. And I was like, trying to think, rack my brain, like, who could it be? And I was like, oh, that must be Tony Robbins. So he was in town one day, but someone confused my shirt with his jet. Oh, that's awesome. And that would be an awesome icebreaker right off the bat for you. Totally, just to save, <laughs> save in your back pocket for you to have whenever you get in touch with them. Yeah, absolutely. How do you, uh, not to give away all the secrets here, but how do yeah. you, you know, reach out to potential guests for coming on your show? Because, again, like, you, re you have some guys who are willing to come on freely, and then you have the Ed Millettes of the world where you got to get in touch with their people in order to get to them. Never have worked through people unless they've asked me to. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. I book 99% of my guests through Instagram Messenger, and I do not send a template message. I don't send a message, like, typed up or anything like that. I literally pull out my phone, and I do a 30-second video. Ed, what's going on? Sarah Gallen, I know you got a house out here in Coeur d'Alene, dude. But I saw videos of it. It's amazing. I saw you pushing this book. Let's get you on the show and promote that a little bit. Thanks. We'll talk soon. 30 See, that's so max. personable, too. And it's quick. Yep. Yep. You know yeah, what you're going to say? Minutes. You can feel your energy in a sense. Again, like over Zoom, like we can communicate because we can sort of understand e each other's body language. Like it's not the same, you know, being in studio or being in the same place at the same time. But at least you sure. get that sense of like, oh, this is a cool guy. He's not just some, you know, inexperienced kid, you know? Right. Because sometimes you think like, oh, God, you know, college student. Uh, <laughs> I have three interviews under my belt probably going to sound very monotone like this the entire time. Like, is that really worth my time, you know? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the videos help. That's how I've booked, you know, Bedros Coin and Bradley, and every single one of them has responded back like, hey, I like, because I usually do with this backdrop, so, right? So yeah. every single one of them respond back, like the flag, like the beard. I'm like, all right, I got something going. You got your so, brand, like, yeah. So that's how I've been able to, to lock them in. And some of them will say, hey, can you email this email address and let's lock it in? Or some are like, yep, let's do it. And then I just send them my calendar link and say, pick out a date and we lock it in, man. How'd you like Brad Lee? He's the, the dropping bombs guy, right? Yeah, that dude is a stud, man. Like, so cool, down to earth. His story is unbelievable. You know, the way that he still continues to, to teach and through his light speed, you know, courses and things like that. And I have, you know, access to his closer school, which I've gone through and gotten certified through his closing school, man. And like, 
I love that he is just real with sales. Like he's been doing sales yeah. so long. It's like, you know, he knows, knows it like no better than anybody else. Right. But he's amazing at it. He's really spoke to me about tips and how to do things and how to, you know, put things into play that I can enhance my skill set and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, he's such a great dude. I love how brutally honest he is, too, like with his content yeah. and everything that you see. Like you tell, like he's speaking from the heart. That's why it seems so natural and so cool, you know. Like, yep, he is Mr. Cool when it comes to, you know, making sales and everything that he does. Because he was a high school dropout, I believe, right? Yep, absolutely. That is yeah. insane. He's definitely yeah. one of the guests I'd love to have on the show as well. Uh, Bradley dropping bombs. I started to listen to that podcast during COVID. You know, because, okay. like, that's when, you know, everything stops and you're looking for inspiration for certain things. Yeah. <laughs> when you're, like, in the middle stages of your show, like, when COVID hits, you think, like, okay, like, everybody can talk now. Like, as a podcast host, you're like, okay, there's really no excuse to not want to talk to me. Were there any yeah. big guests that you had during that time period that you didn't think that you probably could have gotten during normal circumstances? You know, I, I, I mean, all of those guys, right? Like, I had, 2020 for me was probably the best year podcasting yeah, ever. Same. So I was, I was able to talk all, all those guys in 2020. You know, and Craig Ballantyne, another guy that I hope to have on my show at one point, we were lined up to have, and then he had to reschedule it, and then my, now my calendar's booked out quite a bit. But, you know, like Craig Ballantyne is one of those guys that I was hoping to get on the show, but he's got this book called Perfect Day Formula, so I highly recommend people go check that out. But uh, him and Bedros Koulian, really tight-knit, and they have an awesome podcast as well. But, you know, I think, I think all those guys that I've booked, Eric Legrand, you know, Bradley, all those guys, they all came on in 2020. It really helped me kick off 2021 and the end of 2020 in a really awesome way. Like, it not only builds, like, what you're doing, but it builds your own skills because now you know you could talk to these people and reach out to other people and be like, I'm credible enough to reach out to some of these bigger names to come on my platform to talk about certain things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, prior to having Ed Milet, I had already talked to Sean Whelan on my show. That guy's probably one of the coolest dudes I've ever had on the show. And him and I were just chit-chatting for 45 minutes, man. It was like one of the coolest down-to-earth. He like brought his mom on and was like, hey, this is my mom. You know, like just a really cool down-to-earth guy. And then I had reached out to Ed, and I actually won Ed Milet's Max Out Challenge in 2018. And that's how I got the phone call with Ed. And then I was able to record that and release that as an episode. It was episode 12 of my episode or of my show. And I think episode 111 drops this weekend, man, of the wow. Eric Allen show. So this is a two-part question since we're on the topic of, you know, getting guests and like connecting with people. You talk about some of these like big time guests thinking like, oh my God, like I'm kind of anxious getting ready to talk to these people. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is the nicest person in the world. Like such down to earth. Like they're just like me. Yeah. Have you had, who, who's like the, the nicest guy that you've had on that you weren't expecting to have on? And who was like the biggest, just arrogant jerk that you had on that you were not expecting to be an arrogant jerk? You know, I've been really blessed. I haven't had anybody on my show that was an arrogant jerk. Really? Uh, yeah, I really haven't. I've, everybody that I've had on my show has been really cool to me. I think the one time that I, I talked to Ed Milet, two hours prior to that interview, I interviewed Ken Shamrock for the first time. Wow. So it was like this amazing day where I was like, holy crap, I get to talk to two of the biggest names in the world back-to-back -to -back today. And so I was a little bit nervous on that day, and I did have some technical problems the first time that I had Ken Shamrock on, and then his team was nice to be like, hey, let's just re-record it. So I was able to re-record another one you know, with him. It turned out a lot better, but you know, I was nervous in that day. But I really haven't had that many jerks on my show. Now come to the like, MMA fight site or site, you know, the MMA fighters that I've had on my show, most of those guys... They've never done interviews, or yeah. they've done just a couple, right? And so there are so times know, where I'm man. interviewing somebody, I'm like, what the hell is he doing? You know, like I had one guy on my show, I forget who it was and even where he was from, somewhere in the Midwest, 
But like he did an interview in his bedroom and, and like he was in front of his bed and the guy behind, there was a guy behind him laying in the bed. And I was like, do you want to move? And he's like, oh no, it's fine. It's my brother. He's sleeping. Well, like halfway through the interview, the brother wakes up and he goes, where the hell is my jar of mayonnaise? And he's like yelling this. I'm like, what? So the dude goes, gets up, comes back with a jar of mayonnaise and sat behind this guy I'm interviewing. The whole time I'm interviewing, he's just spoonfulling mayonnaise into his mouth, dude. I'm like, this is crazy, man. See, that's so fun to bounce off of, though, like in those situations. I remember like when I first started just in a conference room or in a closet or in my yeah. car, just on my phone with like that voice memos app that comes with your phone. Yeah. Starting out and you're thinking like, oh, the AC turns on. My roommate, it took my roommate maybe three years to realize like what I do and that I need silence when I'm talking to people on my computer, you know, like yeah. always coming in the background with his shirt off, like can't do that, man. <laughs> but yeah. you got to roll with the punches and then yep. you find your own space like we do now. Right. Absolutely. So what's, you know, your biggest plan moving forward, you know, with the show and whatever business else you got going on? I don't take too much of your time today, but whether it be with the Top Rated MMA podcast or with the Eric Allen show or anything else you got going on, what's your biggest, you know, project moving forward and who would you like to do it with? Man, you know, I, lots of cool stuff in the, in, the, in the pipeline. Last week I was in San Diego for Prosperity Camp with Greg Reed. He wrote like 118 books. Got to, make, got to meet so many awesome people, and I'm, I've got just a stacked set of shows coming out for the Eric Allen Show. So I'm going to continue to do Top Rated May Show and continue to do the Eric Allen Show, both currently right now. And, you know, I don't know when that's going to end. I'm just going to do it until I'm not having fun anymore. So we're going to keep doing both shows. But I'm also doing voiceover work, so I cover a lot of, like, voiceover motivational videos. People hire me to do that. I do brand videos, so companies will send me their products and want me to do a video box opening reviews stuff like that so i'm really enjoying doing that part of it and then i'm also going to do some more speaking i'm really excited to get more into public speaking and do some virtual stages and physical stages here in 2021 and 2022 and really take just my entrepreneurial efforts to a whole new level the goal for me is to you know be able to walk away from my full-time job that i still have probably within the next 12 months I mean, that's everybody's dream to walk away from their full-time jobs, right? Yeah. Do, do what you want to do, do what you love. What exactly do you want to um, speak out for when you do public speaking events? Because obviously we talked about, you know, Jim the Rookie Morris. He has mastered that, I think, over the past 20 years telling his story. What exactly yeah. would you uh, be sharing with your audience? You know, one of the things that I talk about is not letting our past define our future or anyone else's opinion of you define your future, right? So, like, I, yes, I came from that crazy household, but there's a lot of people who went through that. But a lot of people hold on to it. And I did forever, too. I'm 41 now. I didn't share my story until I was 39. So I really just want to impress and, and talk with people that, you know, make them, help them realize that, you know what, you can do anything that you want and you can make a choice at any moment. When I decided to get sober, I literally decided I was going to get sober and I never turned back. That That's was 17 cold years ago. Wow. You know, and uh, yeah, quick cold turkey. And so I love talking about that. I love talking about the morning routines. I'm big on morning routines. I'm big on, you know, mindset and how do you get away from that, you know, the yuck and continue to get on the path of staying consistent with releasing shows and, and committing to things and sticking with it. So that's what I speak on right now, and, and that'll, that'll grow over the years. But I think that's like my big keynote speaker, uh, you know, sort of set that I talk about right now. Right. You'll develop those skills over time. Like the first time you step out there, it might not hit the way that you wanted it to. You know, mentally totally. thinking like, oh, this is going to be like, this is exactly <laughs> what I'm going to hit this point, that point, that point. And then all of a sudden, you just don't c connect with your audience. Nothing clicks. And then you just got to keep going from the experiences that you have, right? Yeah. I, you know, one of the, the things that I had to do over the years was I had to realize that, you know, I had to be a quitter. I had to quit being lazy. I had to quit thinking I didn't deserve success or money or a great marriage. And I had to quit quitting because I'd start all this business and then I like quit when it got tough. 
you know, and so now I'm, I have the mindset and I have a vision board and I read over it every day and, and you know, that helps me get up. I get, wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week. You know, that really helps me start the day fresh. If I can open my eyes, there's win number one. If I make my bed, there's two wins in 15 seconds. It's going to be an awesome day, man. I mean, that's awesome stuff, man. Where can we find your show again? Again, the Eric Allen Show. We'll see if Zach puts it up correctly this time. Yeah, no problem, man. It's just ericallenmedia.com is the website. But we're on all formats. On all formats. Yep. So YouTube, IGTV, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, Audible, you name it, we're on there, man. Well, that's awesome. And again, the Eric Allen Show, the top-rated MMA show, Mr. Eric Allen. Thanks so much again, man, for coming on and just, you know, shooting the breeze with me these past 45 minutes. It was a lot of fun. Oh, man, such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. People need to be listening to your show. You're obviously kicking ass. You've got almost 400 episodes out, dude. Not many people in the podcast world can make it that far. Not even, like, I think 90% barely make it to episode 100. So you're out there showing them how it's done, man. Keep doing your thing, man. Never give up. Never quit. This was episode 389 of The O Show. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.